As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined as always by Matt Fortuna. It's our bi-week edition, and today we brought in former Notre Dame running back and walk-on, former walk-on, of course, Mick Asaph, uh, founder of Yoke. We'll be talking a little bit about his business ventures and some some really cool insight into the operations of Notre Dame football. Tommy Reese, Lance Taylor, Ian Book. Um, He's got some interesting perspective from being inside that locker room and inside those meeting rooms for four years. So we'll, we'll get to that interview, and then Matt and I will be back on the other side of that to wrap up and look ahead to next week uh, when Notre Dame gets back into action preparing for North Carolina. So without further ado, here's Mick Asaph. Pleased to welcome into the Shamrock special guest, former Notre Dame running back and current CEO is it is that we're going to go with uh yeah we can remember that <laughs> Mick Asaf of Yoke Mick thanks for uh, taking some time this morning to chat with us and I, I guess before we get into the the football which there's a lot to get into I mean you've sort of founded a company at the perfect time when nobody can do anything but stay home and probably play video games so if for people who don't know much about it like explain to our listeners sort of your venture and where it's all sort of gone over the last six nine months Absolutely. So Yoke's a platform that's focused on bringing fans and their favorite athletes together through the special bond of video games. So Yoke's an app that allows fans to go on there and set a challenge to play video games with their favorite athletes. And there's over 750 athletes on the platform that play video games with their fans, uh, hundreds of interactions every day. And kind of start off with a simple question to Leonard Fournette that said, Leonard Fournette, would you want to play video games with your fans? Uh, if you could make a few bucks for doing so. And he sent out a tweet about it. It got some great traction, and we started adding more and more athletes um, with this premise set around video games because we realized it was something that a lot of athletes were doing anyways. And, um, you know, it's been, it's, it was something that kind of sparked originally and kind of through teamwork, through teammates kind of grew like wildfire in certain areas. We got like 25, 49ers players. We started adding people, you know, really quickly. And, um, you know, we're trying to get to the 1,000 athlete mark and, you know, luckily a lot of athletes bring a lot of fans. And so it's a business that, that kind of grew pretty rapidly to start once we found the right, you know, product market fit. 
You mentioned teammates. I know Nick Wisher's involved. I know some other people from inside and outside the football program at Notre Dame were involved. How does this all initially come together? I know you only took your role fairly recently, but now how do the seeds get planted? I mean, it's two guys who uh, host a podcast and are not exactly a business first. Like, what's the, what are those conversations like? Yeah. So I think the for me, starting a business was something I wanted to do for a long time. I um, kind of saw my brother start a business while I was in high school and thought that was something that looked fun and looked challenging and kind of looked like being on a team again where you don't know the outcome, um, but you're kind of, you know, you can work harder and increase your chances of success. Um, and so that was kind of what appealed to me in a startup was just the competitive nature of it. And so the original idea kind of came in June of 2019, so actually quite a bit ago. Um, and I had this idea went to someone I know who had some legal expertise and he agreed to help with the legal stuff, but also give us some money to get it started. And that's when I kind of reached out to my first co-founder, Bailey O'Sullivan, who I went to high school with. And I just knew as someone who was going to work really hard. And from there, it's just countless hours on the phone, countless hours thinking through problems. Um, you know, they, everyone wants to start a business, but there's so many details that goes into it. Um, it's kind of like, you know, people see the game of football and they're like, why can't we stop them on defense? And I have no clue, you know, how much goes into, you know, running a defense. And um, I think that's kind of like a business is like, you know, people are like, oh, why can't we tackle? So I think there's a lot that went into it. And for me, just not, not having done any of it, it was learning everything from scratch. So a lot of just Googling and figuring out what, I, what we're doing wrong, what we're doing right, and then asking people who are smarter than us. And luckily there were a lot of people who were smarter than us. So we had a lot of phone calls. And, um, you know, we added Nick Wisher a few weeks later when we realized two rising seniors in college wasn't going to be, you know, the easiest thing to kind of build a story with. We needed someone who had a little bit of work experience working in the business. And Nick kind of gave us that, having worked with Cramp Finds in Chicago and having a master's degree kind of gave us some much needed experience. And also um, he was kind of our our voice in the business that was a little bit more reasonable as, you know, Bailey and I were kind of always shooting ideas up and Nick would kind of shoot us down with the voice of reason, which is kind of a good, um, you know, balance to have. Was it easy or difficult to decide like, you know what, I'm not going to do the fifth year of football at Notre Dame. I mean, you just gotten the scholarship. Um, and I'm curious if, if that, as you sort of revisit that decision or look back at that decision, the way this season has unfolded for Notre Dame changes how you feel about it. Yeah, I don't, I definitely don't regret taking it away. It was definitely one of probably the hardest decisions I've had to make. Um, Cause you know, the only decision that was that big in magnitude was probably going to college and I only applied to mm -hmm. two places. So, and one of them was playing football in Notre Dame and one was going to MIT. And so between those two, it was kind of obvious. I wasn't going to turn down playing football in Notre Dame if I had the chance to do that. Um, so definitely the hardest decision I've had to make. I definitely think that it happened for a reason, and I don't know. I mean, Notre Dame's having a great season. I don't know. Nothing would have been the same if I was there, and so I don't. I don't wish I could go back and and enter the team. I mean, I hope that I hope that we'd be undefeated if I was there too. But um, just never know. So I'm happy that those guys are are doing so well. And for me, it was something where I felt like my impact on Yoke was so big, and being the founder and the CEO and you know, I had this group of people I had hired, you know, three employees basically. And those were people that, you know, they needed me and they were counting on me for success. And 
Um, you know, it would be like Ian stepping away from the team. You know, Notre Dame's offense kind of runs through Ian. And so Yoke was running through me in a way that if I stepped away, I would, you know, Bailey, who gave up a chance to work some, do something else after college, uh, Zach Farley, who kind of stepped away from all his other opportunities to help build the app, I'd kind of leave them out stranded, and that wasn't something I was comfortable doing. Um, where I felt like Notre Dame was something where I kind of had given it my all, and I knew that those guys were positioned for success with or without me for that season. And I think, you know, that's the part where I feel like I was correct in that most of the work that I did is in off season and getting, you know, those guys ready. And it appears they've been ready so far. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they're doing well and Yoke's doing well as well. So I got no complaints. What, I mean, we all see the videos and I know you knew it was coming beforehand, but there's nothing that gets, I think all of us more than seeing those videos of people getting awarded scholarships on Twitter, on social media. Um, to be a part of that, I mean, what was that like? And you're wearing the walk-on players union hat as you speak to us now. Do you get that when you officially get on scholarship? Do you get it when you win the walk-on player of the year award at the Echoes like you did last year? What's kind of the the uh, what, what gains you that? So the hat is something that is purchasable usually for events. We have golf tournaments. We have the Wapu Open. Um, we have a lot of events, and we love merch. So you know, it's our way to identify as as people of members of the nation, which, you know, among certain crowds like St. Mary's people might, you know, make you more popular than the normal football players. <laughs> so there's certainly some added benefits to being a WAPU in some cases, uh, to being a walk on. Um, and you know, there's a sense of pride because you go through a little bit of a different experience. Um, but I think that, you know, the scholarship experience was very cool for me. I, um, the way that I was told I would be on scholarship before that was at such an emotional moment for us kind of fit. So right after the Florida state game um, and it was in passing, you know, so quickly coach Kelly was like, you know, if you want to come back, I got you. And I was like, okay, well, I think that means that I'd be on scholarship, uh, but it wasn't overtly clear. Um, and so, and I hadn't heard anything since. So it's not like I'm going to, you know, ask Coach Kelly about it because I assume that that's, you know, what he meant. And I was gonna probably going to come back anyways um, because I wanted to, you know, be on the team for another year. But that moment's super cool just because it's not really happy you are, just how happy your teammates are for you. I think that's the coolest part. Uh, and that was the part that was the most exciting for me just to see, you know, just to get all the guys to go crazy and just to see how happy they are for you. Um I think that was, you know, the coolest moment of that all. What has it been like sort of taking in this team as, as a fan, yet, you know, you're so close to so many guys on the team, um, you know, Ian in particular, uh, and just to, to sort of see the success that he's having to, I mean, take it up, I, I think particularly the last couple of games, Clemson and Boston College. I mean, he's playing at, uh, you know, kind of a different level. Uh, and, and, and people are noticing. Um you know, I think you sort of see his name with a, a different kind of buzz about it lately. So I was curious, like, as somebody who has had his back in, in good times and bad, um, you know, and it, I did enjoy your tweet over the weekend about uh, there are so many fans, expert writers, and Twitter users that owe Ian Book a sincere handwritten apology. Um, they also owe him a thank you note. What I mean, what's that been like to sort of take in? Um, and do you collect the uh, apology notes at your house, or do they go straight to Ian? I think they can go to the Goog and they'll, they'll sort okay. them there. Um, but <laughs> it's exciting just to see because I, you know, football is such a game where 
the the most minor details can affect success in such a big way. And obviously, I you know I'm able to see every single practice rep for the last four years, and you know how talented I know how talented Ian is as a thrower. I mean, probably known with a smoother motion as a thrower in college football. Um, and there's been so many moments where I feel like he's just on the edge of playing at a Heisman level and nothing, you know, nothing is easy in college football. Like even, you know, I guess the people who are winning Heisman usually like Joe Burrow made it look easy to play quarterback. Quarterback is such a challenging position mm-hmm. in general, um, especially when you're a quarterback playing for the team that's circle on everyone's schedule. I mean, people are going to spend a unique amount of time preparing for Ian opposed to other quarter, other quarterbacks they play during the year because they want to beat Notre Dame. Um, so just to see Ian kind of break through, I think him and e, him and Coach Reese have spent so much time together, and they're just gelling together at the right time. Um, and then obviously getting Ben back healthy has been huge for Ian as well. Um, Ian's kind of had a big receiver most years, and I think you know having Ben kind of fill that role has been huge because he had you know the hamstring injury early and. I mean, you, you guys know Ben probably from Northwestern as well. He's kind of – he's always been – made a lot of big plays. And I think for Ian, the main thing is just him and Reese are seeing through the same eyes right now. And mm-hmm. once Ian kind of sees through the same eyes as Coach Reese, um, he's able to call plays in a way where Ian is always comfortable. And, I mean, Ian can pretty much make every throw on the field when he's comfortable and when he's standing in there competently. I think, you know, that, pull, that throw he made to Ben where he kind of pedaled out of the pocket – yeah. Once I saw that play, I was like, I mean, that, I don't think anyone's going to play as well as Ian from here on out just because he looked so confident in the pocket. Like, he wasn't spinning his head around. He just kind of pedaled out of the pedaled out of the pocket, found his way around, and found Ben, and Ben scored. Um, and I was like, you know, it feels like there's a level of confidence and a level of comfort with the play call that Ian's just going to keep playing at this level. And it's obviously exciting to see just because I know how hard he works. I mean, he doesn't – all he cares about is playing off the team and, you know – to see someone rewarded for working that hard is exciting because there's a lot of people who aren't as dedicated to doing what he does. I mean, he doesn't really leave his house because he's worried about, you know, COVID protocol. He doesn't do much that you're not supposed to do. And just exciting to see him rewarded and people are noticing kind of how hard he's worked for the last, you know, five years now. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I don't know if there's anyone outside of the Goog who ever thought Kyron Williams would be this good, especially this soon. And frankly, based on people we talked to inside the Goog, I'm not sure there were people last year inside the Goog who thought he was going to have this kind of season. You were in that room with him last year. I mean, 
not ask you to, to be Nostradamus here, but I mean, wh- what did you see that indicated the, the the talent was there, the pieces were there, and that you know he was closer to putting it all together than than what we saw on the field last year? Yeah, Kyron. I've thought Kyron is an incredible back. I think if you, I posted an Instagram story in August that said Kyron will be the best running back in the country, and I, I believe <laughs> you that. are no Stravis son, sir. Well, I mean, I've seen, I've seen Kyron a lot. He's super explosive. He's, he has hands. He can basically run routes and catch the ball like a receiver. And then between the tackles, he's powerful. He, he's, he's very good at cutting back against the grain. His vision's incredible, and you know, I think he uses contact effectively so he doesn't he isn't someone that runs into defenders but he understands when it's time to put his head down and get a few extra yards um so i think kyron has that you could kind of see as a freshman even i think he had kind of just a bad first touch on the field versus louisville he had a drop and i think one of his first snaps and then obvious as a true freshman that's not great for your confidence to have a, mm-hmm. a drop on your first snap but i think kyron could have played as a true freshman um, but we had, you know, a lot of players who were good, so there wasn't a, a, a need to play him. But for a long time, and then Kyron changed his body over break in a way that kind of let him become the next level back. He missed the, he didn't have the breakaway speed freshman year that he has now, and I think that was the last piece he was making missing because he's someone that's twitchy. He, you know, powerful, great hands, really, really great route runner, um, and I think that's something that over the next the rest of the season and next year people are gonna be really really they're gonna have trouble with Kyron out of the backfield you see ETN someone who every year has got better out of the backfield I think Kyron's someone who's gonna be like a massive especially you know Ian's not here next year or whatever quarterbacks can be benefit greatly from Kyron out of the backfield because he can create some really really big matchup issues if you put a linebacker on him you know I, I was curious from a coaching standpoint we spent a lot of time talking about Tommy Reese, and I mean, for good reason, he's had a great, a great campaign. You know Lance Taylor a little bit better than most, and mm-hmm. like we we don't really spend much time with him, or you know, he's not really out front. Um, like, how how does he reach guys as a coach? Like, is there anything about him that is unique? Like, can you give us a sense of sort of his coaching style and why why it's sort of connecting? Yeah, I think Coach Taylor is another former walk on. I think former walk ons right. make the best coaches. Clark Lee, former walk-on. Yeah. Tommy was, you know, he might have looked like a walk-on while he was playing <laughs> as a freshman. Um, certainly nothing uniquely good about the way his body looked or his physique. It would have made him feel like a scholarship quarterback. Um, but Coach Taylor is someone who kind of has that that sense of, uh, I think that walk-on sense of he understands that, you know, everyone has to work for what they get, which is as a player, you want to know that your coach respects you for the work you're putting in opposed Mm -hmm. to just respects you for like your name or you know your recruiting ranking or whatever it may be so coach taylor's a fair coach which is one big piece you could ask for and then in terms of style he's he's not he's 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 not really demanding but you know there's there's a standard that you want to that coach taylor makes you want to reach a level because coach taylor's there he's someone that he kind of commands just with his presence that you give it your all and that you do certain things because you want to make coach Taylor happy because of how much he cares about us. And he's so clear with his communication. He's someone who never, you never misunderstand coach Taylor. He's very, very, you know, adamant about what you need to do tells you he's a clear communicator. And I think that's super important, especially at the running back position. Um, And, 
you know, protection specifically. You just want someone who's going to, you know, tell you what to do and stand by you if you do what he says, because there can be miscommunications at the running back position. And Coach Taylor will be the first person. He'll say he's wrong if he's wrong, but he'll tell you, this is what you need to do. This is how we're going to do it. Then we're going to practice it, and then we're going to go and execute it. And if something goes wrong in the game, he's not going to let you as a player take, you know, take the blame. He's going to say, that's on me, Coach. And then he's going to come and talk to you. And I think that type of coach who can divert, you know, the blame and the emotion – to themselves and then come to you and deliver a clear message is super important. I think coach Taylor kind of has the, the genuine one, the head coach of someone who can, you know, take a lot of things in that are going to, I mean, that's why he's so good on the field. I think is because, you know, kind of coach Reese is in the booth, right? So coach Taylor's on the field and he's kind of your, he's Ian's point of contact. Um, he's everyone's point of contact during timeouts and et cetera. And he commands a lot of respect and attention when he talks. And that's really important, especially in that position. Um, you know, having both coordinators in the booth, you need people on the field who are clearly communicating to the players because if they're not clearly communicating, then Coach Lee and Coach Reese aren't, aren't able to be as effective as they should be. And so, I mean, everyone respects Coach Taylor. And, you know, when he speaks, people listen, which is super important. Pete, Pete touched on this uh, story about you last year. Um, 2016, uh, obviously didn't go the way anyone wanted to. Um, you give a big locker room speech at some point. Um, it, it's almost hard, to, <clears throat> frankly, to imagine a walk-on speaking up, especially a guy who's not a junior, senior, <clears throat> and get in the face of, of some of these guys who, you know, we're, we're going to be top draft picks. Where does that come from? What can you share about that moment and, and what ultimately – push you to do that. I mean, were you, were you, were you scared afterward? Were you like, you know, I hope I didn't, you know, I hope this locker room doesn't fall apart even more than it already has at four and eight. Yeah. I think in general throughout my career, it's always been not even just in 2016, 2017, 2018 and being on the scout team gives you this opportunity more than the average player, but you can challenge people non-stop 24-7 so be on the scout team if you make a big play you can go up to someone and say you can't let me score on this play like if i'm scoring on this play i'm concerned what travis Etienne's is going to do to us on saturday so how about you guys stop you know messing around and we get to work and i think that those are the type of moments that i and i think that has transcended the scout team i think there's a lot more of that since i left and you would just i noticed it early that when i would do that the rest of practice would go better and they would play, they would execute better and they would play harder and there would be more effort. And so once I realized that, and then I had a kind of, I had this ability to drive people to play harder the rest of practice, then I would just kind of do it nonstop um, because I felt like it was an effective way to get us to practice harder. And that came from high school basketball. I was not very good at scoring as a basketball player, but I was, I was good at defense or at least, good at you know getting in people's head to the point that they were bad at scoring and so that was kind of something where i just was able to bother other players to the point they were unable to score and that started when my freshman year i got called up to varsity mostly just to practice with the varsity players so they would be you know ready for the games and coach was like you know just got to get in people's head so that they're ready when there's we're playing on the road against rival schools and i was like okay and then you know i would bring out the best in our starting point guard by defending him and I was like, this is kind of fun. 
and I think that kind of just carried me. So it certainly, you know, it would piss off a fair amount of people just being the agitator. Uh, but our defense would always do better when they get challenged or they get called out. And so that was something that I took as a, you know, it was my role in a lot of cases to make sure no matter who we were playing that I was calling someone out. Tavon Coney was one of my favorite players to call out. And there was a lot of them throughout the years that Dante Vaughn, there's just a lot of players that it's fun to, and, you know, eventually the older players understand what I'm doing, but always this, whoever was freshman, sophomore, like, they like, they would get so pissed at me. They'd be like, why is he showboating on us after a 10-yard game? And, like, you know, and then, you know, that's just kind of just what I would do. And I think that, I think that that culture still exists in the scout team. I think it's a healthy one because otherwise you just go through the motions and practice. And if you look at our defense, they're, um, they're doing pretty well. So I think that whatever it is that we, that we did to make them go a little bit harder in practice certainly doesn't seem like it hurt them too badly. Who, uh, who paid you back the most, uh, for being wound up? Oh, I I definitely, I took the hardest hits for sure. Um, I think the worst probably I got tackled a few times and that coach Lee would always make a huge deal if someone tackled me. He'd be like, like we're like we're not gonna do this just because Mick's, you know, trying to make us better. And Coach Lee would always have your back, which makes it way better. Yeah. Um, because he's he understands that what I'm trying to do is make people better. And so Sometimes people, we're, we don't, we're not supposed to go to the ground and practice, but some people would just full on like take out my legs and Coach Lightly would be like, we're not doing this. Like this is not something we're doing on our team. <laughs> if you're going to do it again, you're going to have to leave practice. And so there was definitely some people um, that would try to take bigger shots like after a bad play that they had. Uh, but, you know, Coach Lee had, always has the scout teams back because he understands how important they are. and. Yeah. That is, um, that was, was that's a great aspect of coaching. I mean, that was that was his thing when he was in college. I mean, yeah, he wasn't like playing with the varsity the whole time. And so, who's the like who's the McAsaf of this group? Who's the uh, the uh, the positive irritant of the scout team that's going to wind up Liam Eikenberg or or wind up um, Wusu Cormola? Yeah, I think there's a few. So there's well, I think a Wusu as a freshman was someone that really pissed people off. When okay. he was on scout team, because he's very difficult to block, and that's 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 as evident as ever. But I mean, he wasn't easy to block as a freshman either. Uh, Matt Salerno, I think, has has done a great job, and you know now you see him starting on punt return. So something about people who agitate, find a way, find a will somewhere to get on the field. Um, but I think there's a good amount of people who are doing that. I think you know Pat Pliny does a good job on the defense. I think he signals now, but he was someone who. I think, you know, if you intercept the quarterback, no one's really happy because everyone's pissed off if the scout team gets an interception. Uh, so that's the best part about scout offense is that there's no limitations. Scout defense, it's, you know, you're trying to react and do things the right way, be in the right coverages. Scout offense, it's like, just go try to score, like execute a card. So it's a lot easier. And so it's just a lot easier to be an agitator on scout offense than scout defense. Scout defense, it's like, Try not to get yelled at because it's really hard to react to motions and coverages when you have to do something new every week. I, I can't help but think, given your your day job now, it's I, I can picture you guys just talking trash the whole time playing video games, right? Like, is it is it is that half the fun of this? Especially knowing you, there's no real retaliation. Yeah, I think there's. I find do you find ways that make it that I draw parallels to what we would you know do on the scout team and. 
I, you know, talk to athletes all day who are better than me at sports. So that's something that, that I've stuck to through, through the process. Um, but there's a lot of aspects of the competitive nature of a team that you kind of carry into a business. And so I'm always talking even trash to my co-founders about things that are yoke related and not yoke related. Um, so I don't think that the agitator gene is going anywhere for me, unfortunately, for better or for worse. I have to just kind of tune it back sometimes so that I don't get my um, co-founders upset. Well, Mick, why don't we wrap up on this? Uh, I know that we'll, we won't talk about uh, the end of the Clemson game and you know whether you're on the field or not. But if Notre Dame is in Charlotte for the ACC championship game, will you be down there for that? And then also if they make it to the playoff, you got to figure out a way to either get to the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl for that. Yeah, I think that if it's possible to be at a Notre Dame game, I'll try to be there, um, pending COVID protocols and all the other rules. But if there's a way in the stadium, I'd love to see them. I mean, this this team is so fun to watch. I think they have the best two coordinators in college football and probably one of the wisest head coaches. Um, and so there's this is the funnest team I've ever watched play. They're so they're so good at at what they do they have they have the best they have the most defined identity of any Notre Dame team I've seen in a long time and you just and you have an offensive identity and a defensive identity and there's just I feel like when you watch a Notre Dame game now you actually know what'll happen or you have a better idea of what'll happen and I don't remember that being the case in a long time so I I really do love watching this Notre Dame team as much as I've ever liked watching a Notre Dame team play. We, we need, we've had Mike McGlinchey, Aaron Taylor, and Ryan Harris on the podcast so far this season. Now you. I, I'm going to organize a Royal Rumble when COVID restrictions are, uh, are lifted and get you all in a ring. My money's on you uh, after, uh, after this 25-minute chat. I, I wouldn't want to get on your bad side. Certainly the smallest of those people. <laughs> we had Tarico on. I'm pretty sure you can take out Mike Tarico. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's possible. One time you called me Patrick Pelini on a special teams play, my only tackle of my career. Do you just have a notebook in front of you? Do you have a notebook in front of you right now where like every you you write down every single slight like that ever? No, I just I just remember a lot of them, but (laughs) I just know that clip was like my one tackle of my career was Patrick Pelini. So that was just the way of the road. Yeah. All right. Well, Mick, again, we appreciate the time, the insight into Yoke, and obviously Notre Dame football. And best of luck with uh, everything moving forward. Hopefully, we will uh, bump into you at a distance in Charlotte during the ACC championship game. I love it. I appreciate you guys taking the time, and uh, best of luck with the with the podcast moving forward. I'll be I'll be listening moving forward for sure. Awesome. Thanks, Mick. Cool. All right. All right, Thanks. guys. Appreciate you, Mick. Yep. Take, Take care. care. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. That was former Notre Dame running back Mick Asaf with uh, Matt. I, I thought some pretty cool insights on on Lance Taylor, but also the culture of Notre Dame football right now. And I think it it's interesting to sort of hear the idea that this one, you know what you're going to get from Notre Dame every week, which I agree with. Uh, and then also that 
you know, the connection with the roster and the commitment to it is as good as it's ever been, which I think is, you know, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting, interesting thing to hear when, you know, he was with it the, the previous four years. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone would criticize him if he came out here and said, I have buyer's remorse or regret. It's killing me to watch these guys make a possible national championship, championship mm-hmm. run without me, especially when he, he's still living in South Bend and he's still dealing with a lot of these guys all the time. But um, he seems to be in a really good place. Um, a lot of fun stories. I mean, one of those guys, I think I would say I'd want him in the locker room and not on the opposing team, but I don't know if I'd want him on the locker room if I got to face him and deal with him every day. Uh, but he's fun to have on a podcast. That's for sure. I think if you were another walk on, he would be like the the best teammate ever. Uh, Cause you'd be like, yeah, you're, you're not afraid to say the stuff that I'm thinking, but I am just scared to death to actually speak up. Um, every single one of us who's ever so much as like, played t-ball growing up has someone in our life who's been like that right like oh yeah like that guy who just won't shut up and who like (laughs) you can't help but like pat on the back after instead of punching in the face despite how much they get under your skin yeah i mean it was i did a story on him uh it was around the bowl time last year and it was really like one of the most enjoyable stories that i had done all year and you think like okay it's a a walk-on who's popular in the locker room um but people outside the program don't know that much about him and to sort of report that out, talking to not only teammates, but his, uh, his older brother, Hank, um, you know, coaches a little bit. It's, I, I was really struck by like how highly regarded he was um, in the locker room as like sort of a tone setter. And I think though, you know, you can listen to him describe what he did in practice and how he saw it. And, you know, that's important, but I think the, to hear other people say like, yeah, this, this mattered, like this made a difference. Um, I thought was really interesting. Good for him, for Clark Lee, always having his back. Um, and also good for him for speaking up. Like, you don't, I mean, I, I'm lying to you if I say I give uh, the scout team my, my full attention in season as far as like tracking what they should be doing or how they should be acting or even when we would be able to go to practices in non-COVID times. But to hear day. him say like, to hear him say like, look, if, if I'm scoring on you, like, we're in trouble. Like you're playing a, an ACC team, a big 10 team or whoever this week, mm-hmm. like you can't stop me. Um, you know, you, you really need to get your stuff together. So, I mean, th- there, there is a method to the madness that I think um, is easy to miss if you only look for the puns and the quips. But um, like you said, you, you don't rise to the, the status that he did in that locker room and have the, the love and respect of everyone in that locker room. If you don't, make your your due contribution so i did find it funny he tweeted um during the boston college game i guess uh, abc misidentified tommy reese in a yes glasses a hat and mask <laughs> turns out it was uh dean petzing an analyst for notre dame who was up in the box as well good call because i mean frankly with that kind of view i think everyone kind of looks alike um it's it's not quite the brian harden bob diaco uh mis- <laughs> nothing will ever top identity that. from 2012 um yeah it's just I, I don't know. I, I find him to be an interesting personality because I think it's it's every every winning locker room has a few guys like that um, that really sort of carry the day that find a way to pour everything that they have into whatever they're into right now, which I think probably speaks to why he's not on the team now. Is like he needed to pour everything he had into into Yoke, um, and you know a lot of respect for for making that decision because I, I I would imagine that's that's very difficult and. I don't know. I, I, the Senior Bowl invites came out and books going to that. And then 
I somehow I found myself getting roped into a Twitter debate. With, I saw like, this on your fleet, which I refuse to uh, yeah, engage don't. in. Um, <laughs> but it's just like some people are like, hey, you know, he Ian's not going to make it in the NFL. He should come back and play at Notre Dame. You know, it's this is as good as it gets. And, you know, I give a lot of credit to these guys. Like, when you know you're ready to do something else, go do it. Like, and I, I think for Ian with the NFL, I mean, that's a, a little bit more of a clear path. But with Mick and Yoke, he's like, I'm ready to do something else. I want to pour myself into something else. And, like, playing Notre Dame football is, not, is, is awesome, but this is not – the top of the mountain for me for the rest of my life. Um, and, so go for it. I, with, I don't know. I just find with it rare exception, like Sean Crawford, who had basically his entire career wiped out due to injuries. Yeah. I don't think any non like bum wants to spend six years in college. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. fun, but like you're not going to get that much out of it. Like with two Playing extra football, years. you're talking about like if if you're if you're at Notre Dame, and you're like you know what I want to go be a doctor and I can get some advanced work done on you know pre med or you know I want to get an MBA is probably a a little bit more of a a little bit more of a, a path here and you know Sean Crawford's doing that but yeah then I get it but if you if you have other passions like follow them and I don't know it's just one of my pet peeves that people think that they can dictate what other people's passions are and their other and their life decisions like I I will never get roped into like it was a good decision to come back or a bad decision to leave like it's your decision like go for it um and I have a lot of respect for people who make those decisions that would seem on on the surface to sort of fly in the face of like well is that a really good thing no like go for it and you know book's going to do that with the NFL uh, Mick did that with Yoke. I, I think that's Mick awesome. did it with coming to Notre Dame. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of these guys. Yeah, are, I think a um, lot of people would be like, well, why don't you want to go to MIT and get a degree? Just you know, you got to go to Notre Dame to get your head beat in. Like, yeah, that's what he wanted to do. So I, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I don't. To be honest, the, the thought. I mean, I, you know, I've had some fans reach out and and, and, and ask, oh, is he going to come back for six year? Is the school even going to allow that? I mean, you got a hard enough yes, time getting fifth would. years. They would. Okay, they would. Yeah. Um, that's good to know because I wasn't sure if they would. But even then, there, there are serious roster considerations to um, take into account moving forward because this is all going to catch up to everyone with the way this awkward year has just railroaded everything. Um, now, Vian Buck went into Brian Kelly's office and said, I'm in for another year. I don't think Brian would say get out. Um, That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, you'd be welcome but, back for sure. But, I mean, like, put yourself in Ian Buck's shoes. Let's say you make the playoff this year. Two playoffs in three years. You're winningest quarterback in Notre history. Oh, I'm going to come back and, I don't know, I guess maybe try to win a championship if I did this year. But if I don't, I'm going to get killed every single week. Lose your, lose your offensive line. And, and not to mention, like, football is really hard and really physical. Um, yeah. Like, if you want to make the NFL, like, the less hits you have on your body, the better chance you have. You yeah. Know, big picture. No, absolutely. So it's, I don't know, I just find that kind of interesting dynamic. So, uh, Notre Dame off this week before North Carolina next week. Um, your your bye week plans, Matt? Do you have any? Uh, you, you uh, just hold hold up in your condo. I'm guessing. I'm hold up. We got, we got a call last night from my daughter's teach for my daughter's school's pre daycare saying uh, her teacher is COVID. So we are isolating. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fun times. We, we may be doing much the same here in South Bend. So. <laughs> I do want to give a shout out. I got an email from a reader this week suggesting we get Mick on the podcast. The reader did not leave his name, and his email address did not have his name in it. I don't want to repeat his email address out loud, but you're listening. Thank you, whoever you are, for the suggestion, because it was a fun show. Yeah, absolutely. Well, 
Uh, we will be back early next week for sort of a pre-Thanksgiving. I, we're targeting to have uh, Mike Golick Jr. on, get back into our uh, offensive lineman mode. Maybe, I don't know, do I want to say like early bald as well? I don't know. Um, but he's he should, <laughs> be an excellent, he should be an excellent guest for us. Uh, and then obviously, I as it plan, much like Boston College, I'm planning to go to North Carolina. We'll see if uh, I'll be podcasting from... Is it Keenan Stadium down in Chapel Hill um, on Friday evening? So uh, until then, enjoy your idle week. Uh, and then we will be back early next week, hopefully with Mike Golick Jr. Uh, as Notre Dame preps for its second most interesting game of the regular season, that trip to North Carolina. So until then, he's Matt Fortuna. I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for being with us on The Shamrock. Shamrock.